The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome everyone, all of you intentional spirits. It's so good to be with you again. And I know I've already been hearing comments of enthusiasm and excitement because we're having a, what we would call the spiritual, the legendary Neil Bonna Walsh, who has changed so many of our concepts, our relationship with God, our inner relationship with humanity. He is the author of nine books in the Conversations with God series, and he's one of the major new authors new spirituality authors. He's the author of 29 books. It, it's amazing that uh, the conversation books have sold over 10 million copies and are in 37 languages. Neil, talk about an intentional spirit. That's exactly who you are. Uh, did you set out to be a, a world changer or tell us a little bit about your path? Because not everybody knows. There are very few people that do not know who Neil Donald Walsh is. But entertain our guests that are new with us and started deepening their spiritual quest. Well, you know, uh, I'm a little bit intimidated to hear that I'm legendary. That's usually reserved a phrase reserved for somebody who's on the way out. So, yeah. but I'm <laughs> you're on your way in, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not legendary, but I, I do appreciate, I do, I, I understand the energy behind the comment. I, I can't say, you know, I mean, I, I don't know anyone who, who starts off with the intention of trying to change the world. I mean, I, I, maybe there's one or two, but that certainly wasn't my, the case in my life. I think what I was trying to do, and even to this day, my intention is not so much to try to change the world, but what I was trying to do is to change myself, to, to bring myself to a place of greater clarity, greater understanding, greater awareness, and greater consciousness of, of who I am, what I'm doing here, what's this really all about, how does one go about this uh, process that we call life, what, if anything, is true about a higher power, is there even a higher power, if so, you know, how does it all work, all of those questions that all of us ask ourselves, I would imagine, in the middle of the night, at one point or another, if not consistently, in our lives, and so I was really rolling around, um, you know, night after night on the pillow trying to figure out uh, the answers to those questions, especially uh, after I had a major incident in my life, I want to call it a spiritually transforming incident. I didn't expect it to be at the beginning, but it turned out to be, and that was an incident where I actually had an automobile accident in which I broke my neck. And I should tell you, Temple, that that when uh, the doctors told me that when you break your neck, 90% of the time you die because there's spinal cord involvement in that and it, it almost produces instant death. For those 10 or 12% who don't die, they're almost always paralyzed and they wind up in a wheelchair for the rest of their lives. None of those things happened to me. Somehow or another, I escaped both outcomes, but it did impact my life in a dramatic way. I was in rehabilitation for almost two years with daily and then weekly uh, and then uh, ongoing uh, therapy intervention with a physical therapist, but beyond that, it altered my worldview, my view of myself, and caused me, as one might imagine, to begin asking with enormous 
seriousness those questions that I raised before. What is the point of all of this? What is the purpose? Why am I here? Who am I really? And what does that have to do with all the rest that I'm experiencing in my life? Because I realized that I could have died. I could have died there. Uh, and by, by, by many statistical measures, I should have. So uh, that's really what changed uh, my life and caused me to ask the questions that I wound up asking, actually in writing, uh, to the God of my understanding. I took out a yellow legal pad one night at 4, 4.24 in the morning, and I began to ask myself uh, those questions. What does it take to make life work? What am I doing here? What have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? Somebody please tell me the rules. You know, I'll play. Just give me the rules. Uh, and the result was that I received answers um, that came to me. I wrote them down quickly, never dreaming, by the way, that anyone would ever see these answers but me. I was really engaged in a process of journaling. It, I never intended for what I was experiencing to become a book read by others. But the uh, process led to a statement uh, in, in what I came to understand was a dialogue that I was having. And in the dialogue, I was told, this will one day become a book. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, you know, that, that, that doesn't seem very real to me, but I'm glad you said it because that's a measurable outcome. It's not a mystical outcome. It's, it's, it's not some kind of a theoretical outcome. Uh, it's not conceptual. It's actual, actually measurable. Either it will or it will not be a book. So now I thought, now I've got you. Now I've got a way to figure out whether what I'm experiencing is real uh, or whether, in fact, it's something that you know, is, is simply being made up by, in my imagination because I knew. You know, as a man of the world, I understood perfectly well that the chances of what I was experiencing becoming a book, a published book, were one in a million. Publishers were not going to take a manuscript, a piece of writing from an unpublished, unheard of author who claims to be talking to God uh, and, and actually publish it. It's simply not going to happen. And I didn't, ex didn't expect for it to happen. So I thought, well, this is, this is wholly unlikely. And uh, now, I, now I can really find out what's true. Well, the rest, as they say uh, in the vernacular, is, is um, publishing history. It, a publisher did decide to publish it, uh, and it wound up selling millions of copies and being translated into 37 languages uh, and produced a, a series of uh, um, books that I'm told have touched the world, and in many cases, in a positive way. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it uh, in six or eight minutes or less. But I can tell you that um, I had certainly did not start off uh, think, thinking that I, you know, what I want to do is change the world or impact uh, the, the globe. That was not anywhere near in my mind. I would close my opening comment by saying to you, Temple, that now that this has happened, I would certainly feel wonderful if enough people found their way to this material such that the world or a portion of it would change dramatically because I think that the Conversations with God dialogues uh, contain world-impacting and world-changing ideas. Mm, absolutely. We have many people, uh, Neil, coming on Facebook Live now and leaving comments about how much you've changed their lives and the difference that you have made and continue to make. And I also tagged you, so later on you'll be able to read some of those of the many comments coming. And I encourage people to ask questions if you have those uh, specific for him, because we are uh, all engaged. You know, there was a time when um, Conversation with God's Book 3 it, it didn't appear that you were going to be doing an, another book. Was there a reason that you felt inspired to do another one? Did it come from another dream reality, or how did it come about? Well, the, the dialogue uh, continued after what came to be known as book three. The dialogue went on for a, a, a series of uh, additional books, um, The Friendship with God, The, the New Revelations, um, and uh, communion with God and several other books that were in the dialogue format. Uh, but I thought really with the uh, closing of that initial series, which was a book called Home with God in a Life That Never Ends, that was a book about life after this physical experience or what we would call life after death in the popular 
usage of those terms. And I've, I did think that that was the last dialogue book I would uh, ever produce. And, uh, and, that was, and that was, in fact, my intention arising out of my experience because that last book was written 10 years ago and it did not occur to me that there was anything really more to add to the, to the cosmology, to add to the collection of work. But then uh, last August, on the 5th of August, I just awoke in the middle of the night uh, and, I, and I had a familiar feeling uh, that overtook me and the feeling was, uh-oh, there's, there's something that wants to come through here. I don't want to get airy-fairy here or, or start getting way out. But I just had that feeling that just, you know, it's the exact same feeling that one has when one realizes one needs to write a letter, that one owes maybe your mother or your brother or your sister or somebody important that you just owe, owe them a letter or you owe them an email and you haven't done it yet. It's that kind of feeling, and I just woke up with that feeling like, oh, Oh, there's there's more here that wants to be done. So I jumped up, I looked at my clock. It was it, uh, um, predictably it was 13 minutes past uh, four o'clock in the morning, just about the time you know, normally around 4:23 that I wound up having these previous dialogues begin. So. I thought, well, I'll just go to my computer. I, I threw back the covers and went to my laptop in my little writing area, uh, and I began to see what would be coming through uh, on this particular occasion, which was just a few months ago in August of 2016. And what came through in five weeks, uh, five and a half weeks, was an entirely new dialogue uh, that it placed before me, and I believe before all of humanity, a third invitation uh, the first two invitations were contained in books one through uh, eight, uh, and the, that invitation was, number one, to change the world's mind about God. I believe we were all invited to change the world's mind about God. And number two, the second invitation was to give people back to themselves, to return people to their true identity uh, uh, to the extent that we could. And so I said to God, okay, what's, what's the third invitation? Is there one more? And she said, yes, there is a final invitation that I want to share with you, and you can accept it or not as you wish, but here's the third invitation. Well, I said, what is it? And God said, well, the invitation is awaken the species. And that really directs its attention to the question you asked me at the beginning. It was not my intention at the outset, but I was invited now and invited to invite all others as well. That is, I was invited to invite everyone else, especially those who would be reading this material, to join in a global process to awaken the species, to rouse us from our collective slumber that we might know actually and finally demonstrate our true identity and uh, understand experientially who we really are. I love the distinction um, made in some of the writings that you, you delve into the contrast between how we live and then how an awakened, highly evolved person, you know, would actually act. And I, I know that, I mean, that continues to be profound for all of us. And, and the question is, do you feel on the collective, are we awakening? Are we waking up more? Are we? Well, you, you know, te- you know, Temple. I was told. I was told in the dialogue that we already are awake. That that there's a huge number of people, not a small number, but millions and millions of people who actually are already awake. They simply don't know it. And when I asked, and and therefore they're not acting like it. And when I asked God, wait a minute, how can people be awake and not know it? How can because God said to me, Neil, you're already awake. You just don't know it. And I said, well, how how is that possible? And she said, "Look, have you ever have you ever been uh, have you ever found yourself in the middle of the night, and, and you hear maybe a bump in the night or some kind of a sound or have some kind of an experience, and you are certain that it's in your dream, only to find out moments later that wait a minute, I'm not dreaming. That that actually happened. Maybe a branch brushed up against the window or something. That noise was real in real life in my waking life. Have you ever found out that you were awake when you thought you were asleep?" I said, "Yes, of course. Most of us have had an experience something like that." God said, there you are. So you're awake, but you don't know you're awake. So the question now is, now that you know that you're awake, what, if anything, can you do to experience your wakefulness? And what could you do to help others to see just how awake they really are 
that they that they really know more than they think they know. They're conscious of more than they think they're conscious of. They're aware of more than they imagine themselves to be aware of. And they are, in fact, awake. And they, they're simply waiting for an opportunity to demonstrate that both to themselves and to anyone else whose life they may happen to touch. Uh, one of the statements um, that's referenced with the with the contrast or things that we could do to be uh, more in step with our awakening is to ask the question why. You actually urge us to ask the question why often. It, it is interesting that when we're little, we irritate people because we ask why so much, right? I mean, I, I remember those moments many times in school and how much, you know, I would irritate people because I'd go, why don't we do it that way? Or, you know, why do we sing those songs? Or why do we go to the doctor? What's that about? And But it, it, it is profound how there becomes like the automatic way of doing things uh, from time to time. Or, you know, someone will say, well, you know, it's that time of year. I need to go get a flu shot. Why? I mean, why do, do you feel you need one? Well, I don't, I don't really know. You know, it's like the why of that. Um, I love that. That's so profound. Of it's funny you should bring question. It's really strange you should bring that up right now, and perhaps not so strange, because Temple, with God as my judge, even as we were, as I was dialing in to appear with, thank you, by the way, for the kind invitation on this program, moments before I was uh, readying myself to appear with you on this program, I was uh, writing in my next book, which is titled, Would You Believe It or Not? Why? Oh, I have goosebumps. <laughs> and, and, and the book, and the book asks and, and the book asks twenty questions. Let me just give you an example, just a few of them. The book asks questions like this: Why is the world the way it is? Why is life so difficult? Why are relationships so problematical? Why can't we find peace on this planet? Why can't we create lasting peace in our own lives? Why is there so much violence? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much poverty? Why must we get sick and die? And then uh, I think one of the most profound questions of all, why, if there is a God, does God allow all this to happen and not intervene and help us instead? Why, if there is a God, does God not make it its, its existence indisputable and irrefutable? And why, if there is a higher power, weren't we given an inner knowing of the way to use it. Those are some of the questions that are being asked because a, a few days ago I woke up, it's amazing that you would ask, that you would say what you just said. Two days ago I woke up with, with this idea. I thought, oh my gosh, that's the next book. I've got to write a book called simply Why? And it's going to be a book of 20 questions uh, that, that people ask most uh, often and most frequently about life itself, including the last question, which is why are there so many questions and so few answers? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I love that. That is so powerful. I yeah, love I'm, the book name, Why. I'm very excited about the book, and, and, and uh, I'm, <laughs> I can't wait until it gets published. I'm also excited about uh, the book four in the Conversations with God series, which is going to be published here in about three or four days. I yes, I am too, and I want to remind all of our listeners to go right now to nildonawalls dot com and stay in touch with what he's doing. And if you haven't read the other ones, now's the great time to do it. Get those so you can follow along, because um, I'm I'm seeing all the comments coming of, of just how um, so many people are saying Neil that in the best times and in the most challenging of times. They refer to your book all the time, that it really helps them, it helps ground them. And um, so a shout-out to all of you, and we love getting those comments. It, uh, it's part of why we do what we do. I mean, we're not um, necessarily an action step towards needing to be validated, but you always appreciate it when, when your work is making impact and, and, and making a difference. Um, I mean, I remember, and I believe I told you this on the last time we were together a, a couple of years ago, is that I remember way back when I first started ministry getting a, the most decorated envelope with the most beautiful brochure inside, you know, coming soon, uh, conversations with God. And it was just like um, it had a touch of lightning behind it. You know what I mean? It just sizzled. Um, and I left it on my desk for the longest time because that was so, 
I mean, just that conversation with God, that had such a sense of awakening for so many people of like, well, oh, I do that. Oh, I, I get up in the middle of the night sometimes. It allowed. It, it was a, a, a powerful way of allowing people to admit that they have these direct conversations. And thank you for that. Well, that's a very sweet thing to say, and I, and I will acknowledge that what you've just said uh, has apparently been true for many people. That by simply being public, coming you know, coming public with my personal experience, others did get a chance to see. Oh, that I've had that exact same uh, encounter. I've had that exact same experience, but it's not something that most people would talk about because we've been culturalized. We've been taught by our society not to go around saying things like that. It's not. It's not. Uh, considered, you know, de rigueur, it's not a good idea to talk to people about the fact that we are talking directly to God. I, I, uh, the wonderful uh, comedian, I uh, forgot who she was now, one of the wonderful comedians said, uh, put it put it perfectly when she said, she said, you know, when I tell people that, that uh, um, I talk to God, they say how wonderful, how reverent, how sweet of you to, to say your prayers in that way. When I tell people that God talks to me, they tell me that I'm crazy. So we had this. We had this notion. It was Lily Tomlin who said that. And when I when I tell people that God talks to me, they tell me that I'm insane, that I'm crazy. So we've had this notion that God does not speak directly to us. We may talk to God. We may pray and meditate and do those the, the activities that uh, in which we imagine ourselves to be communicating with the divine. But God would certainly not talk directly to us, unless perhaps we're the Pope or someone who's far more deserving than we are to receive such inspiration and such direct communication. And on page five of the Conversations with God dialogue, the fifth page of over 3,000 pages of dialogue, God answered that question for me. She said, look, I talk to all people all the time. The question is not, to whom do I talk? The question is, who's listening? So he made it very clear to me that he is speaking to all of us, communicating with everyone all the time, and all we have to do is understand the process by which that occurs. And that process becomes more clear to us when we understand who and what we really are. Mm. I, I, I keep seeing this image that, you know, in, in one way, you literally, for so many people, you, you brought God out of the closet. Um, and, and made it a, such a personal relationship instead of a theory and instead of something far out there in the sky or that's not approachable. Um, you open that path or, or set that stage that people were willing to open their own path to have that, that conversation and, you know, to, to witness or experience a, a greater relationship. That, um, Feeling disconnected to God is it, such a is such a big thing. You know, I'm coming on uh, 30 years of sobriety this year, and I'm, I'm very humbled and very grateful by that. But I, I see so many people that are in in recovery, and they have such anger and such a disconnection um, about the idea of of God. Um, how do you approach that when? When people are are so mad and so angry, you know, like you know, God poured the glass of wine and you know they they had to drink it. I mean, you know, it's like what? Um, how do you approach that anger uh, feel that people hold a, a self imposed anger? Well, Temple, I don't. Uh, I don't try to approach anybody with anything. It, it's not my my. Uh proclivity in life it's not my occupation or my activity in life to approach anybody with anything uh, that is i'm not trying to convince anyone of anything i'm not trying to change anyone's mind about anything i'm not trying to influence their experience of life uh i'm not I'm not directly with that the only time i even talk about this but in fact many people by the way who know me personally in the town in which i live don't even know don't even know that i wrote a book called conversations with god i don't bring it up uh, in conversation, I don't share about it, you know, at parties or uh, restaurants or social events. So I really don't uh, deal. The only time I I, invo- I, I um, encounter people with the kind of anger you're talking about is when they come to me. Either, either they come to one of my workshops or retreats, 
or perhaps they uh, encounter me on a, on a personal level at some way, uh, in some way, and they ask me directly, uh, what is this business that you're into? What is this thing that you're up to? What is this? I hear you wrote a book called Conversations with God. Do you really think that you had conversations with God and so on and so forth? And then when that happens, whether a person is attending one of my spiritual renewal retreats or encountering me on the sidewalk, then I, and if they have a lot of anger behind the whole idea of God, I simply share with them my experience. I say, you know what? If you're angry with God, you know, that's your experience. I'm not going to try to change your mind about that. If, you, if you're angry with God or about the whole idea of God or how society has created God in your life or any of that, you know, be true to yourself. If anger with, with or about God is, is what your authentic response to the whole subject is, you know, hang on to that. I have no, no need to change your mind about that. I will be happy to tell you my experience, however, if it serves you in any way, even if it's just to satisfy your curiosity. Thanks for asking. And then I share my experience. Generally speaking, Temple, my experience is sufficient. That is, when I'm finished discussing my experience, people look at me and say, wow, you know, at the very least, that's interesting. I may not even agree with it, but you certainly uh, have an interesting story to tell interesting story to share and you certainly are an interesting guy tell me more and that's when i say to them you know I, I could stand here and talk to you all day but it might be easier for you to just grab a copy of my book and it's, it's called conversations with god uh, and then many of them do but i don't really try to work with people you know uh, to work them out of their anger i simply tell them my experience share with them my story and uh, it goes from there. I think I'm not, I'm not I, I tell all the people who are into conversations with God, for heaven's sake, don't proselytize. Don't get out there and, and try to turn this into a religion or some kind of a belief system that you want to other people to embrace. Just share your experience and let it go at that. I think the biggest mistake that organized religion has made through the years is to proselytize and worse yet, to suggest to people that they are condemned, actually, in the eyes of God if they don't embrace a certain belief system or a particular understanding. Absolutely. That's what makes people so angry. So I'm very clear that I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to get uh, anybody angry with me. And I was once asked by Matt Lauer on the Today Show on NBC, he said, Neil, you, you, you claim uh, to have had a conversation with God. Do you ever doubt? Do you ever doubt that that, that was your experience? I said, Matt, of course I do. Of course I doubt. The day I stop doubting is the day I become dangerous, and I have no intention of becoming dangerous. Oh, that's a great answer. Uh, that's a great answer to take a, a short break. And everyone, thank you for being online with us. Invite your friends to join us as well and get them engaged in the conversation. Good to see you, Elizabeth, back from Norway. Thank you for being here. Go to nildonawalsh.com to learn so much about where he is, where he's traveling, and the things he's doing, and all of his various 29 books that he has written. Um, if you want more inspiration from our show, uh, join me at templehays.com. Go to the contact page and let me know other guests you would like to see and things that you would like us to present on this show. We'll be right back after this short break. Thank you, everyone, for being with us. We greatly appreciate you. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. Thank you for being with us. And thank you, Neil Don Walsh, for being with us today. And and sharing your insight and sharing your wisdom. I, I just love your original thinking style. 
It's really cool. And I'm excited about this book you're coming out with called Why. <laughs> Thank you. You know, if I if I could offer something here very briefly, you invited people to go to neildonawalsh.com, but of course they would have to know how to spell my name, and my name is spelled in a most unusual way. So I have offered people a simple way to get to me. Just use my initials, ndwhome.com, ndwhome.com. That'll get you to my webpage, and you don't have to worry about, how do I spell Walsh? Didn't he spell Walsh differently? How does he spell Neil? You know, all that stuff. So just go, just go to ndwhome.com and you'll get right to my home page. ndwhome.com and we'll write that in the comment section as well. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, that simplifies it, huh? Yeah, I, I realized we had to simplify it because people would have to know how to spell my name, and, and they, they most often misspell it because both my first and my last name are unusual spellings. Yes, that's a very good point. So, just the energy that you bring to experiences. I, I want to ask you, because I hear so many people, even strong uh, global spiritual leaders, uh, talking about weariness, uh, talking about um, being frustrated of the, you know, the condition of, of the world. And I know that you always have such a different way of seeing things. How do you hold, um, how do you see the world now? How do you, how do you view it? What are you affirming about it in these, they've always been changing times. Well, I, I, uh, I see it in many of the same ways that many other people see it when I'm operating at a human level only, at the level of mind only. I also can be frustrated or uh, at least disappointed, to put it mildly, uh, and uh, even filled with a little bit of apprehension, you know, what's going on, and, and a weariness, to use the word you just used. Yes, I have some of those same feelings when I'm coming from my strictly mental, or I want to say my human space, but when I, when I can connect with with my soul space and when I can come from what I want to call my God space, that is, that is the part of me that is um, reflective of and includes the, the wisdom from that I receive from uh, the eternal source of wisdom that lies within all of us. When I come from that place, uh, then I see what I was told uh, in this latest dialogue, which came through uh, to me uh, a few months ago in August, which is that this is the perfect time for advancement, what's, what the world is encountering right now, politically, economically, spiritually, in the United States, uh, throughout the world, in uh, many other nations, in, in fact, in most other nations around the world, not just in the U.S., that what we're encountering right now, politically, socially, economically, spiritually, uh, is in fact uh, a reflection of the perfect conditions this is the perfect time for our advancement. And when I ask God, why, I don't understand. How can, how can what, we, what we're seeing now be called perfect? And he said, uh, Neil, uh, you, you can't solve a problem until it's very, very clear, crystal clear, that you're actually confronting one, that you're actually facing one, that one actually exists. The challenge for humanity has been that for, for a long time, not everyone, but the largest number of people have been in denial. That is, they've been denying either that there is a problem or at least the severity of the problem. They've been saying, you know, it'll go away, it's just fine, we're just finding our way, etc., etc. But now, conditions are perfect uh, because you're starting to feel the heat from the fire and you're starting to realize, oh my gosh, no matter where we look, no matter what we're uh, 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 observing, we find ourselves facing conditions that are no longer acceptable to us. Uh, as a species, and we're starting to see something does need to be done, and it needs to be done right here, right now. Or, or to put it in one simple sentence, please, necessity is the mother of invention. And so because necessity is the mother of invention, human beings don't tend to make huge shifts in their exterior reality, nor do they agitate for those shifts among others. That is, they don't start movements, they don't start uh, activities, they don't undertake uh, you know, efforts uh, to change things until they think that it's necessary to do so. Necessity is, in fact, the mother of invention. So what I'm seeing now, when I look at it from the uh, space of my soul's awareness, is that we are seeing necessity 
uh, arising in such a way politically in this country and elsewhere around the world, economically, spiritually, socially, in just about every way you can imagine, we're seeing necessity arising and demonstrating itself. Even the least observant among us is now able to see and is now uh, unable to ignore, you know what, we've got to make some changes here. We can't keep going in this direction, nor can we in our individual lives. That's what caused me to have my first conversation with God over 20 years ago, realizing that, okay, I, I, Neil, can't keep doing what I've been doing over and over again, repeating the same mistakes over and over again, doing the same things over and over again, expecting to get a different result. That, of course, is the classic definition of insanity, and that's the characteristic that I saw in myself and that I see more broadly uh, in the human race. So, to answer your question directly, I think this is the perfect time for our advancement, and I think that right now we just simply bless, bless, bless all those conditions that are showing us the necessity of taking action, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, but right here, right now. I love it. That's very powerful. Thank you for that. There's no doubt about it. And I, I too, I am very excited about the times we're living in now. I feel like we're we're picking up for uh, just a, a moment of what we started in in the '60s. That we're we're ready to you know move into a place of action rather than just talking. That's exactly what I'm observing as well. Action rather than reaction. And uh, I do think that we're going to see uh, in the short term, I don't mean in days or weeks, but in months and years, I think we're going to see uh, in the short term uh, some huge turnabouts uh, in humanity's expression and experience of itself. I was walking down the street about five weeks ago when all of the women in my city were having a women's march uh, a, a few weeks back. And, of course, there were many men on the street as well, naturally. And I was one of them. And my wife and I went down to the march here in our town. And we were, and some lady just in front of us was carrying a wonderful sign. It said, it said never underestimate the power of 2.6 billion people ignored. Never underestimate the power of 2.6 billion women scorned. and it was a very powerful message so i think that what we're seeing now uh is uh an awakening truly an awakening of the spirit an awakening of our consciousness uh and an awakening of our awareness with regard to how we really choose to express and experience ourselves as sentient beings in this universe In awakening this, um, awaken the species. You make a reference to uh, seven tools of integration, and they're very powerful. You want to elaborate on some of those with us today? Yes, uh, I, I think that um, I think I think that the problem that most people have. Um, when they um, are considering their experience of higher realities, uh, I think that most people have the experience that it's wonderful to embrace these notions. It's wonderful to hold these ideas, but it's um, not easy to integrate them into your everyday life. That was certainly my experience. Even after all the, the the books I've written, I still said to God, you know, I, I I wish I could say that it was really a simple matter, but I need some tools here to help me integrate these ideas, these thoughts, uh, these notions, these truths in, in my life. So God said, well, let me let me give you some tools here, see if they could help you. The tools that uh, He gave me were seven in, in 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 all. One, He said, share your process. You know, share openly and authentically with those whose lives you touch, both your progress on the path to full awakening as well as your struggles. 
so that when you share your struggles, even as I'm doing now with you, Temple, people can identify with it and say, oh, it, um, you know, it was really good to hear Neil say that because I thought that of all people, Neil has got this whole thing solved. He's written, you know, 33 books or whatever, and certainly he's on the other side of this mountain, but in fact, I'm not. Yet the struggling, uh, please forgive me, the sharing of my struggles and of what progress I have made, uh, I find empowers other people to feel and to move forward and to inspires other people to say, okay, and it helps them to both uh, emaciate and unshackle themselves uh, to express the divinity that is within them and, and to also liberate in others uh, their desire and ability to do so also. So I think that uh, that's one of the tools that God gave me. Another tool that, that I was given was create a reason and by create a reason, she said, look, the challenges of the path you've chosen are many. Uh, on, on, on more than one day, hardly, they hardly even seem worth confronting. Unless you can confront your life and the challenges by according them greater meaning than simply the triumph over them. The question might be asked, why? What, you know, talk about why. Why, 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 why do I have to confront all of this? What's going on here? And, and, and what God said to me was, look, your path is not without purpose in the heavens. For every soul which would grow to know its experience, what it has always understood in its awareness serves not only its own agenda, but the superconscious will of the collective, that is, all of humanity, advancing the evolution of the species, even as your individual process uh, continues and as your individual progress is attained. So allow yourself to give that meaning to what's going on in your life right now and allow it to be a, a ladder and a stepping stone by which those who follow you may also do so ever more rapidly. I'm going to give you a third one. I'm not going to go all seven of them because you could, I could write a book about this, but a third, <laughs> and a third one is a wonderful... I recommend you do so. <laughs> yeah. a, a third tool is a wonderful tool. I think it's one of the most powerful tools I've ever been given, and that's to express gratitude. Uh, this is a, a wonderful selective energy, not merely an autotomic response. It, it's, a, it's a selective energy. When one actively chooses to be grateful for everything presented, in one's life, and I do mean everything, as my friend Eckhart Tolle would say, whatever is arising. When you're grateful for that, it sets up an energetic signature that washes over and impacts the energy of whatever is now arising. This can transmogrify uh, uh, the presentation itself, transmogrify meaning to transform, especially in a surprising or magical manner. And so it will transmogrify whatever is arising to say nothing of one's entire life. There are other tools that I was given as well, and they are will be found in the book, Conversations with God, Book 4, colon, Awaken the Species. And I invite people to take a look at, at those tools and see if they, those tools aren't useful in helping you to move through your life, embracing the wonderful list of differences between um, how a highly evolved being moves through their life and how we are moving through our life most of us who are <laughs> most of us who are not fully awakened let's put it that way gently or at least we don't know that we are awakened well, that was one of the most exciting parts about the dialogue i must say uh temple was when i was given that list of 16 differences between uh, an awakened species and how they experience their daily life their daily expression and how most human beings who are not acting as if they're fully awakened how we experience our daily daily lives 16 dramatic contrasts and differences and it's a very powerful list and when you're referencing highly evolved beings, are they on this dimension? No. My understanding, okay. I, my understanding is that the highly evolved beings uh, 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 that are referred to uh, in the dialogue are uh, beings from another dimension. That is, they exist off of the planet Earth, and perhaps not, and not even in, uh, not even consistently in a physical dimension, but in uh, a non-physical dimension or a physical dimension, whichever they choose whereas human beings exist at a conscious level in this particular way uh, or imagine that they do only in uh, a physical dimension. Actually, we also exist in a non-physical dimension, but we're not convinced of it, so we are not really taking advantage of that, whereas highly evolved beings are very clear that they exist both uh, physically and 
non-physically or if you please metaphysically in a larger than physical way at their at their at their pleasure whenever they choose to human beings imagine themselves to be only physical or at least the largest number of us do and uh we only hope we all gosh wouldn't it be nice if there was such a thing as life after death wouldn't it be nice if there was such a thing as a larger reality but we're not really totally convinced of it highly evolved beings are not only not only totally convinced of it they're actually living it and demonstrating it uh, on a day-to-day basis Is there any particular surprise that you discovered when you were writing this book? I mean, I I always wonder because I know in writing my own books that um and I've written 3, not 33, but I I definitely change in in the process. Were you tremendously surprised about any particular thing as you were writing it? Yes. Yes, my my biggest surprise was the, uh, being told that we are in fact now and have been for forever from the beginning being assisted. We we are being assisted by those uh, highly evolved beings from another dimension. That is, uh, they are uh, acting in a uh, intentioned way, in a proactive way, to assist us in moving forward. Uh, in our evolution, I, I I didn't know that before. I, I maybe I had a th- maybe I heard about a thought about that from someone. Maybe I imagined somewhere along the way somebody said something years ago that that could be happening. But I, this was a a firm affirmation uh, of that reality. Neil, you're not alone. You're being assisted assisted by highly evolved beings from off of this planet, which, of course, opened many questions, as you could imagine. Like, what, you know, what does that mean? How are we being assisted? Are other beings from other dimensions actually walking among us? The old favorite phrase, are there aliens among us? You know, and all of those science fiction type phrases, and, that, so, and all of those questions, and many more, are answered uh, in a surprising way uh, in, this, uh, in this dialogue. Well, it, it sounds like to me, when is the book coming out? Did you say a couple of months? No, 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 a couple of days. The book comes out on the 27th. Awesome. The book comes out on March 27th. It can be pre-ordered now. You can One, one could pre-order it, it right now at Amazon.com, and it'll be delivered in just a few days. It's being published uh, on the 27th of March. And so, everyone, you want to go ahead and do that and go to Amazon.com and get Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species. I'm very much looking forward to uh, Neil delving into the contrast. I mean, it seems to me that if if enough people have a, a sense of awakening or an aha moment from the contrast, do you see um, people waking up more? I see people becoming more aware that they are already awake. That they are already awake. That's right. That's the distinction. They're already awake, and now there's the possibility that they'll know it. And, and, and what I see is people self-selecting. The book actually invites people. The book actually, it, it, throughout the dialogue, not not in one place, but throughout the dialogue, seemingly in every other chapter, God invites every reader to self-select. That is, to choose oneself to be among those who engages in uh, with great intention and um, commitment to one's own personal evolution in such a way that the way they now behave as an awakened person, uh, even moving toward that we're not fully awakened, we're not walking around as you know, gurus or masters, but more and more moving closer and closer to that ideal, that as we move through life in that way, we automatically awaken others or if you please, cause others to know that they are likewise awakened and simply haven't realized it fully. So it's about full self-realization. So we are invited to self-select, to to be among those who choose themselves to engage in that process consciously and with intention. In fact, I've even put up a little um, website, a little webpage, IHaveSelfSelected.com. IHaveSelfSelected.com to allow people to go to that place and find resources there, find a portal, an avenue to resources that can assist a person who who chooses to empower themselves to move more fully and more rapidly in their own evolutionary process, resources there with which to do so. So I invite people to, if they choose to, self-select, to be among those who helps to awaken the species by going to IHaveSelfSelected.com. Thank you, Neil. 
it, it's really been a, a pleasure and it's always a gift to talk with you and and hear your perspective it's it's an experience by itself that's for sure um what is a uh, a moment that you'd like to leave with our listeners today you you also talk about the the one magic inquiry yes uh what, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul is what I call the magic inquiry. Throughout my life, I've confronted, and even in these most recent days and times, I want to reiterate what I said before. I am by no means, nor do I claim to be, uh, at a level of mastery, or even, frankly, even close to it. But I do know the questions to ask, at least. And when I ask, I find that when I ask the right questions, I tend to get closer and closer uh, to clarity and to a level of consciousness uh, that I wish to attain. And God gave me a magical question, what I call it, you know, a real magical question uh, that, that I could ask myself at any time that I am confronted with circumstances, events, or situations that might challenge what I imagine myself to know, what I imagine myself to understand, whether it's a conversation I'm having with somebody, maybe I'm in a little bit of a tiff or an argument with my beloved spouse, maybe it's some kind of entanglement with the world at large, maybe I owe somebody some money or they owe me some money or whatever it might be, any kind of a circumstance that discombobulates me, and those happen to all of us. So God said, ask yourself the following question. And by the way, not just in discombobulating situations, in regular life situations that are perfectly normal, going to see a movie picking up a book to read, turning on a particular television program, or having uh, yourself enter into any moment whatsoever to simply ask yourself the following question. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? And what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? And when I ask myself that question, even as I did before I got on this program with you, you know, what, why am I doing this? What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? If I can't find an answer inside of that question that causes me to feel that my, the agenda of my soul is being moved forward, I simply don't do it. I don't go to the movie. I don't watch that television program. I don't pick up that book. And I don't do that interview. It's really quite simple. and It's a measuring device that has been wonderfully useful to me in determining how I best want to use the remaining days and times of my life. Listen, Temple, I had open-heart surgery on the 1st of November. For all I knew when I went into that operating room, I could have been one of the 5 or 8% who do not survive that. That's not a sim- We're not talking about getting your tonsils out here. We're not talking about you know getting a hangnail fixed. I had open-heart surgery where they repaired five veins, five arteries. I had a, I had a quintuple bypass. And I th- for all I knew, I could not have survived that. That makes you think as well, like the broken neck made me think, what am I doing here? Am I using every moment to the best uh, possible use, putting it to the best possible use that moves forward the agenda of my soul? Because this interview does so, I'm happy to have spent this time with you, and I appreciate very much your invitation to do so. And it's been a pleasure being with you, too. And thank you so much for all that you do and all that you are. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. And I had no idea you had major heart surgery. So, And you've come back strong, yes? It's been a wonderful experience. I feel better than I've felt in 15 years. The doctors told me, if you survive, <laughs> you're going to feel great. And, uh, you know, and there's only a small percentage these days because it's a, it's a very uh, a sophisticated, complex operation, but they've got it down now. And so you know, I've, I did uh, obviously survive, and, I, and I'm feeling wonderful, better than I've felt in a long time because now my heart is getting the oxygen it needed to be getting for many, many years. Now my question is, having been given this new lease on life, how do I choose to utilize these remaining days and times? And that question arises for me every moment, every morning when I, arrive, when I get up. And I hope it does for everybody else as well, that you will use the magic question as your measuring device. And what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Thank you so much, Neil. It's been a pleasure being with you. Many Thank blessings. You. Thank nice you for being with, you with too. us. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for being with us today. It's such a pleasure to have you. Remember to go to ndwhome.com so you can find out more about Neil's work and order his other books, as well as go to Amazon and be one of the first to get the new book, 
let's jump on board and be part of the awakening of the species by knowing that we're already awake, but learning what those contrasts are. I'm interested, and I know you are. Thanks for being with us on The Intentional Spirit. Thank you for going to templehaze.com and, and being engaged and involved in firstunity.org. Because of you, our radio show is featured all over the world, and we are very grateful. Many blessings. See all of you next week. Thank you so much, and thanks so much for all of our Facebook followers. We're grateful to have you. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, the Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm living a life I never intended to create? What life did you intend to create? Did you set goals? Did you work toward reaching those goals? If we don't have a specific goal in mind or we don't know where we want to go, we may be likely to end up in places not of our choosing. Establishing goals along with guidelines on how to achieve them helps to keep us focused and energized and often makes our lives more interesting, useful, and successful. It's never too late to take control of your life. Once you have your purpose clearly in mind, explore the various ways you can make it happen and visualize the process you believe can work best. Set goals, do what it takes to accomplish them, and enjoy your process. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth 
all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.